Hello, friends. I hope you are in a safe and good place, both physically and mentally, while listening to this podcast. These are some trying times. And when I open up Facebook, I see the debate on wearing face masks in public going on. And I'm not sure if my Facebook friends are trolling people and arguing semantics more than the issue or just thinking they're smarter than the experts. I know they're scared. And so they're looking for any excuse so they, they just want to argue. Now, I might be an expert in a few things in my life, but when it comes to science, I let the experts lead the way. Just because you don't understand or don't like the science, it doesn't make it any less of a fact. That is just true. I had to delete some comments on my Facebook wall because they weren't helpful at all during these times. And I'm not going to let disinformation or trolls have their way like Facebook does. I have higher standards on what I allow on my wall. I also put people on 30-day snoozes, the same, I don't know, 10 people all the time. I should just delete them as friends. But every once in a while, I like to see what they have to post, how uh, far down the rabbit hole they have gone with their nonsense. But they usually end up on a 30-day snooze most of the time. All right. Let's get away from the Facebook talk and talk about our guest. Today's guest is Steph Roberts. Now, the University of Wyoming has created a lot of different great friendships for me from when I was a student and now working at the university for the last 17 years. I always wasn't the biggest fan of UW after having to move to Laramie in 1988 because of my stepdad's job. But turns out the place has provided some real opportunity for me and my family. Now, I haven't spoken to Steph in years. My bad, Steph. And uh, we all see what he do, each other do on Facebook, so we're less likely to reach out and call someone or text someone. So, But it's my bad. So I reached out now and got her on the show, and it was so great to catch up with her. Born and raised in Imperial, Nebraska. And so did your parents meet there? How did your parents meet and create the Steph? <laughs> the one and only. Um, my parents went to school in Wichita, Kansas and met there. So they are they originally from Kansas? Are they translated oh, into Kansas? Uh, that is from New York and mom is from a teeny tiny village called Palisade, Nebraska. Wow. It was a real flip that they ran into. A real flip. So what made your dad choose Kansas to go to school? Um, he went to an all boys Catholic high school and got a scholarship to the college, uh, St. Mary of the Plains. And that's uh-huh. where they met. Gotcha. And so was it, I really never heard of the school, sorry, parents. Yeah. Um, how big was it? The, I, have the no school? Idea. I have no idea. You've never visited? No. No, no they've never nope. been like. I'm not even sure it's still a school. Okay. Ah. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Hopefully their degrees are still valid. They are. Yeah, that's good. Well, actually, they're both retired, so it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. They they scan the system this far. Yes. Just kidding, people. Just kidding. So is it just you? Do you have any siblings? Where do you fit with your 
parents and such? I have an older sister and a younger brother. Yeah. How, what are the age differences there? Uh, we're all about two and a half years apart. So you kind of grew up in a pack. Like, well, I, my, my family, my sisters are all spread out. I was six years right. older sister, 11 years younger, stepsister's about four. So I kind of had, and I'm only boy, so I had my only child, I had my own childhood basically. Right. So, but you, so you guys were everything, a lot of first memories, your brother and sister. Yeah. Every, growing up, everything is around those two. And where are they at these days? Um, my sister is in Richmond, Virginia, and my brother's in Fort Collins, Colorado. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Um, so Imperial, Nebraska, your memories, you're growing up there. Um, how big is it? Uh, last time I knew it was like 2007 was the population sign. Oh, wow. <laughs> and how big was your like class sizes? 10, 20? I think I graduated with 56. 56 people. Yes. So, uh, I mean, were you like a rebellious kid, straight A student? Like, how did you fit in in school-wise growing up? Um, I was a little bit of both. I was a little bit rebellious, but I was very cautious. Um, I had a certain group of friends in high school that I stuck with, and that was pretty much it. Um, but I feel like my sister was the more goody-goody, and my brother was the reason my parents didn't have another kid. <laughs> Your brother's the younger one, is that right? Yes, right. yes. Right, yeah. So Happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I feel like in a smaller town, it's sometimes easier because you literally know everybody and you know their stories their past the whole nine yards so it's i don't i don't know it's easier to fit in i feel like you don't have the big clicks maybe yeah i've been meeting people that went to such small schools in high school in college and such because i my graduating class about 300 and I even came from a bigger place in a suburb of uh, Portland, Oregon. But Laramie is about 300. And then I meet people, yeah, my graduating class is 10. And I was like, what? Like, I don't know everyone from my graduating class at all. Like, everyone's on Facebook. Yeah, they, people pop up. And I was like, I don't know if I said one word of that person in high school. But I did go, you know, we were graduated together. Um, I, I Good, bad sides of it. Yeah, I see that. Because, like, one of the big reasons I left Laramie after college was because it was too small for me and everybody yeah. in business. So yeah. I, I was like, I could see where knowing everybody, but then they know what you're going to do before you actually do it. You know, and they're, yeah, they let yeah. your parents know too and all that. Exactly. So, and well, I found that you were a middle child and I am a middle child in a lot. And so I found that shadow, my older sibling left was hard to live in sometimes because you said your older sister was a goody goody and next thing you come along you, and they think Steph's going to be that. Yeah. Um, I don't think I really had to do that where I, I didn't really worry about being in our shadow because like I said, everyone in our town knew us growing up. So they knew that we were completely opposite. Uh, um, I mean, we have a lot in common, 
but I think they just knew what to like. They knew me well enough to know I wasn't exactly like her. Yeah, I wanted to break the mold. My older sister was really good student, really artsy, artsy, and I was like, no, I was an athlete. I was left-handed. That first of all, that was hard to deal with. Teachers didn't know how to teach that, but yeah, I wanted to break the mold. Um, I was tired tired of being Rochelle's little brother. I did have right. She was right. the original of Rude, by the way. She, her, yeah, her track coach was my football coach, and he called her Rude first. And then I came along, and she's, he's like, oh, you're Rude's little brother, and now you're Rude. And I yeah. didn't take that name with me to Wyoming. For, that was in, in Oregon. And I got to Laramie, and it picked up maybe two or three years being here. Uh, just too hard to say my last name. Uh, so everyone's like, you're just Rude. And I'm like, that works. I didn't say call right. me it. it organically happen right. so yeah uh i developed that's how i truly developed out of my own shadow because she'll say well i'm the original rude and i'm like oh i made it famous so <laughs> there you go yeah, that's how it is and so uh growing up in imperial were there other towns close by did you interact with other towns i don't this small town life's always fascinating to me um i would say I mean, there was Grant, Nebraska, which was probably 30 minutes from us. Um, there were a couple teeny tiny villages around um, within 10, 15 miles. Um, but I mostly, one of my best friends, and still to this day, we still talk, is from Grant. So ironically, we have never lived in the same town, and we've been friends for 20 plus years. <laughs> Did you guys go to the same high school then? Nope. We just met. We met through friends, oh. and I think I was a freshman in high school when I met her, and still talk to her to this day. Right on. Yeah. Um, so, what kind of activities did you participate growing up? Were you into sports? Were you into knitting? Who knows? <laughs> knitting. Um, I was in choir and band and jazz band and show choir. I did um, swimming, volleyball. And then I started, I kept stats for boys basketball because obviously I'm not tall enough to play any sort of basketball. <laughs> hey, I stood next to Muggsy Bugs. He played in the NBA and he was, I was taller than him. I think I was 5'8". He was around like 5'7". So. But I'm just saying, short people can play basketball. It's got to be faster That's than anybody true, else. true, but you got to remember I'm only five foot. Yeah, got to be faster than everybody else. Yeah, and that's not me. Yeah. I'd fall on my face if I had to run fast. <laughs> so, growing up there, it's time to go to college. Was it the University of Wyoming right away? Were you shopping around? Did you want to go to college? What were your dreams after high school? I actually had it planned. I was going to go to um, Concordia College in Seward, Nebraska. I was going to major in education. And my senior year spring break, I went to the University of Wyoming to visit my sister. And we were sitting in the, in the hot tub at the old Holiday Inn in Laramie. Nice. And I told my parents, I was like, I think I'm going to come to school here. And that was the end of it. Not well, at least you had an in. Your sister was already here, so. Kind of. Yes. Well, and we were both part of Centennial Singers, 
Okay. Um, so I felt like I already had a group of people I knew already. Like there were 32, I think, all together in the group. So I felt like I knew a bunch of people already coming into Laramie. Well, that's good because I, a lot of people would just go and become like best friends with people in high school with. Well, and, and that's the other thing. Almost 90% of my class went to UNK or UNL in Nebraska. And I was like, I want to go somewhere else, do something else. And at the yeah. time, I think my sister was the only person from our area that was in Laramie. Sorry, I was letting my cat out the door. <laughs> it kind of blew shut while Shane was in here sleeping and then it shut. She just couldn't get it open. So, two cats, Carl Althea, I talk about them all the time. Um, so yes, yeah, so going to University of Wyoming. Wow. Good change. Good choice. Um, not a lot of people I know asked that question and it wasn't always their first choice, but they love the fact that they made the choice, including myself. I was not all in on UW till about year two or three. I was like, Oh, I'm in school here. I might as well like the place. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be somewhere else, but it worked out. And so what was that transition? Like, did you come and live with your sister? Did you live in the dorms? I think everyone had to live in dorms so I yeah, we, yeah we lived in dorms um honestly i loved it like <laughs> i was ready my parent i pushed my parents out the door um and they still to this day will tell you um you know my sister when they left her at the dorm she was really worried and kind of upset about them leaving and i was like see you later and the next day we went to fort collins and a group of us from our floor Went and got our belly buttons pierced. Like it was not an adjustment adjustment for me. I was all in. Liberal Laramie corrupting you. you know, yep. Girl. Didn't take long at all. <laughs> yeah, it didn't take long before I got like a tattoo. Like, yeah. Right when it took I took me longer to do a tattoo, but that was yeah, I was eighteen. I think my yeah, I got my first tattoo at eighteen. I got rude tattooed on my arm. I was like, ah, if I was ever gonna get tattooed, this is what I'm gonna get. Right. And did it. And I know my mom, I remember my mom just being like, you're scarred forever. And I was like, yep, I enjoy it. She has a tattoo now. Right. So I think she might have two. So I was just like, Very I want to, I wish I could record that conversation. Right. And go back to it later. Yeah, and be like, hey, like, mom. Remember when you gave me all that shit about getting a tattoo? And so, and then like my little sister's tatted up and like anytime she get tattoo or was gonna thinking about it, she'd like talk to your my mom would be like talk to your brother and I'd be like what am I gonna say like don't do it I was like I'm two and I want to get more but I just haven't I was like I'll be like yeah just get something you're gonna like because you're gonna look at it for the rest of your life I mean right harder than getting you know taken off so yeah got your belly button pierced like within the first week of living in the dorms that's yeah. awesome yeah. what what dorms you live in Downey Hall Downey. Yeah, and it was the year they had redone it, so we thought we were fancy. Oh, nice. I think most people I know I talked to live in the dorms. We all lived in McIntyre, which is ironic. I mean, throughout the years, I think I was the first person I knew. Yeah, Downey. Downey. Wasn't McIntyre the old people dorm? That was Crane. Oh, Crane, Crane was the one Crane, where... Crane Hill, yeah, they had their own cafeteria. You know, they're all yeah, like yeah. over 21, old folk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The so, old people. Oh, the old people. I had a bite it. 
like, yeah, his housing situation, he couldn't work it out and got lived in those places when he was in his late twenties. It wasn't a good fit for him at all. Yeah. Um, he liked drink too much. That's why it wasn't a good fit. Uh, so did you automatically figure out what you want to major in when you got here or what did you I, I knew for a fact I wanted to be in early childhood. Um, I wanted to work with kids before they got into school. So is that like you, do you hit the ground running, taking those kind of classes right away? I, actually, I can't remember what they called it, but my, they can't remember what they called it, but our whole floor were early childhood development majors. Yeah. Um, so we had a lot of classes together. Like they were trying to experiment if they put us all together, if it would go better. And I don't, I don't know. I can't remember what it was called. Dang it. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. That would suck kind of, I think. Like I live in the same building you get out of my business where I go to class. I, would well, and, I mean, at least they'd make me go. They, yeah. They'd be ready to go. They wouldn't, you know, you could all go together and that's probably the benefit. But my, I, well, and I think it was four classes a semester. Plus then you had to take, you know, your basics. So yeah. not all your classes were with them, but. Yeah. I didn't get annoyed with the, my people in my major till sector in last year's of college which right. i was with them all the time yeah our broadcasting classes got honed down from like communications into broadcast and so like the, the same 20 people you had a lot of classes with so you knew who sucked it was awesome yeah, but, yeah but uh yeah you had your different classes and i like had a lot you know i wouldn't take classes with my friends like my best friends and such besides the one that was one of my major because I didn't want it, like I knew it'd be a total distraction. I had one yeah. guy in a psychology class together and our first class together, he, I think he's taking notes. The next thing you know, he's nudging me and he drew a pony keg on his notes. And it was like, tonight? And I was like, tonight? Yeah. Of I was course. like, you could have been taking notes the whole time, but talking <laughs> about pony kegs already. So yeah, we can't, like I, I learned right there that that's probably not a good idea to take classes with my friends. Right. I mean, we always thought about it, but I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know if you like broadcasting classes, even though I still had to take the basic stuff. Right. And Wyoming oh. history. Oh, yes. Who taught that? Was, was I don't know, but he had the most monotone voice, and it was on Friday mornings. It and was, did he have a big beard? Yeah, like a dark beard. And I can't remember who it was, but he was just like, was not, all, not an exciting subject to begin with but then at eight o'clock on a friday morning is not the best time to offer that class yeah roberts phil roberts is that his name he knows wyoming like yeah and i think i had a wyoming history class from he's been on some sh talk shows we did at the university and stuff but yeah he knows his stuff but he does have a yeah. different way to teach history and yeah um and on a Friday morning, which I learned right away after one semester, eight o'clock classes were not my friends. No. And Never. You know, I, had, I had a biology class my first semester and the only way at eight o'clock, I know. I was like, ah, I did it for high school. But that was totally different. I had a lot, lot you know, my time was well managed then. This, right. And the only way I, I got through it, the lab was great. And there was a good looking girl that I'd follow from the dorms. And I'd be like, I made it to class because she made it to class. Right. And eventually I told her she was on the track team like 
I was like, you help me pass because you're a good looking barrister. But I was like, <laughs> it was funny. Nice. Yeah. Motivation just to get to exactly. class. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you get there, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, wow. You're on the interview you dub. You're in Laramie. And, uh, did you, were you one of those people that could like work and go to school? Like I couldn't work and go to school all the time. Like my jobs are limited until later on. Um, I think my freshman and sophomore year, I maybe had short part-time jobs. Um, but then after that, I was working full-time and I'm going to school. Yeah. I mean, cause after a while we got to start paying for it, I guess. School. Yeah. My parents said five years, we got you. And then I, I took it to that sixth year because I was a dumbass. Well, I, I partied a lot. Right. But I, I had to pay for the last year, which was part time both semesters because I was paying for it. And so I probably could have done five and a half, but whatever, six worked. Right. I had that classic throw my books up in the air moment at the end. I was like, I'm never going back. And everybody's trying to get me to go back. And I worked there and I'm like, never. Because it stresses you out that I don't, there's always, that feeling I felt as a student, you should be studying. Right. Yeah. You're know, like, I should be, you like, you're all getting drunk. I should be studying. And right. I don't want that feeling again. No. I hate hanging over. Well, and right now you get paid to go to the university. You don't want to have to pay them to go. Yeah, that is true. We get one like free credit, maybe three hour credit a semester if I wanted to do the long haul, but I'm no desire to be a student again. I am not that good the first time around. So I'll let everybody else right. figure it out. There you go. Yeah, I try to make sure they keep on the track of being students. So what was it like trying to balance a full-time job and going to school? Uh, and a <laughs> <laughs> um, school probably did not get my best effort. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Um, but... I mean, obviously I was working in restaurants and bars, so I got to hang out with my friends while I was working. So that helps. <laughs> that was one of the jobs I chose, a bar, right? Like once I started going, like, well, it kind of fell in my lap, but figure it out, like, well, I spent a lot of time here, might as well work here. Yeah. Might as well like fund this drinking with money from the bar. So I, we right. figured that out. And I always tell this to people, I'm like, all right, school, you're going full time, you know, 12 to 18 credits. You probably have a job, maybe two. You're definitely a socialite, like drinking. When did you sleep? That's, I was like, when did I sleep? I was like, I don't remember. Yeah. I was like, I slept on breaks for long periods of time. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I was the queen of naps. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd much rather nap and then be up all night than go if to bed. If I could find that, well, I was worried if I found that time to nap, I wouldn't wake up. To I understand that. that there are times. Yeah. There are times that happened. And we all know when you nap and then you look out the window in Wyoming and it's white and blowy, you're like, that nap should never got up. Like, that, I don't, yeah, people don't quite understand. Like, if you, not been in the university where I'm in the winter time and like parking. I used to go through, like I missed a lot of classes because I just refused to park seven blocks away and walk in the right? snow. Yeah, like, or when you had to walk from the dorms and the wind was pushing you backwards. Oh yeah. Like, 
that should be assigned to cancel classes. Oh, oh yeah. And I was like, we need to figure this out, man. We need some tunnels or some wind right? blocks or something. There used to be tunnels under there, but I think they had like asbestos. So they shut them down and they cleared them out. But there's definitely tunnels that run from the steam plant by the cemetery all the way down Willet, like to almost to the dorms because everything runs, runs off steam right. then. And then the dorms definitely had. Well, they had them there because I remember we could go down the what are tunnels to get to the yeah, Washington Hall. Yeah, yeah, all the dorms were connected that way, but there was even more. They were just well, and I thought off. at one point, I mean, it, they were closed way before I got there, but it went all the way to the classroom building. Yeah. Not in my time that I can ever remember such no, things. I mean, it was long ago. Even in the, yeah, even ever since I've been a part of the University of Miami, I recall that. I've been in those steam tunnels, though not supposed to be, but yeah. Right. It's no good. Somewhere in college, definitely. Found an open one and we kept on going back and back. Yeah, it was interesting. Stuff you do. Right. Stuff you do. Um, so, working full time, college. Um, were you a good student? I have to ask that when I, when I applied myself, I was. Yes. Um, for the things that I cared about, I was. I hear you. That, you know, my 9 a.m. stat classes on Thursday mornings when I was a bouncer Wednesday night with someone that cho spoke choppy English, I was checked out before I ever walked in that door. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> My, all my own doing. I'm not blaming anybody else, but no. that, that was my but mind. Yeah. But. If it doesn't interest you, you're already halfway out the door. So when did you start working at Outreach? <laughs> my first year was 2003, but I was in Central. Right there when I went in. Must have been 04 then. Okay. And so... I mean, that's, that's how I originally have met you as the outreach school. Yes. Pretty sure. Um, yeah. Like, trying to like, oh, yeah, outreach. That was it. 10 years ago. What's that? 16 years ago. Yeah. Ouch. I, yeah, I'm on 17 years at UW. I've oh. eight more until I collect my retirement if I wanted to. I'm not retiring, but I ate more until I collect it all. So I can't believe one by that fast. And... Like, I think I did this podcast to, like, try to remember some times in my life that, like, you were there, like, people in the right. I have a pretty good memory, but let's get it to tape. Let's get it to, right. to a couple of the podcasts I did earlier in the year. And I was, like, coming along, and I was, like, oh, yes, I got to remember all this stuff. This is good. So when I lose my mind later, I can listen to this stuff and remember. There you go. Remember. Uh, we can all can, yeah, hopefully. Uh, it's entertaining. That's why I kind of did it all to yeah. take, take people off off the minds of what's going on in the world out there. Um, so we met at the outreach school, and what would you do there at the outreach school? Um, I was an assistant, and I worked mostly with um, preparing all the exams and classwork the syllabuses and everything. I would send them out to all the students all over the state. And folks, the, our, our outreach school is part of the unit, was part of the University of Wyoming. It was like distance learning 
Um, a lot of people take video conferencing classes that way, audio classes. Um, you were involved, I, Marla was talking about it, that the duplication of tapes and sending them out. Yes, yes, yeah. I sent all those out. And, yes. And so that school no longer exists, but it was part of the University of Wyoming. And, and so that's how, I, yeah, Steph and I met working there and then just became a crew of people that hang out. And well, I was a DJ, everybody knows that too. So I was an easy person to go see off work. And then I started working at Lovejoy's. So and then you started working at Lovejoy's. Yeah. So we were there together. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of some, uh, uh, working at Lovejoy's. What, what, what do you remember working at Lovejoy's the most during our timeline there? Um, it didn't feel like work. <laughs> it was just, I mean, literally friends, if you worked there or you came to eat or drink, like there were always friends there. You always had friends around. True. And I would, I, my first year working at Lovejoy's DJ, I was, I very much was like, I have other friends. I don't hang out here. I don't do this. I'm the talent. Yeah, I was very standoffish. Um, then I went to Buckhorn for a little bit and then came back. And that's where I became closer with a lot of people I worked with. So where I'd go hang out off hours. And right. Just, and all the servers, roll my silverware. And I'd be like, I don't think so. I'm the talent. I don't I do talent. that kind of stuff. I was like, go play music. <laughs> Sometimes that would backfire if I said that. but Right. Yeah, they would try to. Um, so, yeah, I definitely had that vibe about Lovejoy's. It was a very... Um, like if your friends work there, you go hang out there pretty easily. Um, people don't believe it that there'd be lines out the door to get in that place. Yeah, fishbowl looking, and I, it was amazing. And then I every time I kind of took over as a DJ after the guy before, two guys before me made it pop it. So it was an easy job to walk into. Right. But to walk up and be like, "There's a line out the door. It's nine o'clock." I better yeah. my A game right now. I, I'm, I'm not sure. It's crazy. The craziest time I'm going one time, Thursday night, pitcher night, people. It was $8 pitchers of Jack and Coke, Long Island iced teas, Sarah Michelle. Michelle's. Yeah. So it was a shit show. Okay. Walk in at my normal time to set up, and all my friends are standing like how they do the swords, like out of. Oh, wedding. yeah. They had the pictures up in the air and I walked yes. under like 20 guys holding their pictures up over my head as I carried my equipment in. And I think they might've been chatting my name, but I was like, Oh man, we got to get going. Like we got to get right? some music going. It's a right good now. night. I'm not fast enough. Let's go. So that was like, I couldn't believe that. And there was way too much streaking by dudes for my choice. Like it happened way too much in my era and they know who they are. And so, they, they should be luckily I don't bring up names on this show. We'll get to them later. Right. Yeah. And so there was way too much of that, but it was a fun, fun place to work. And you could definitely go, but it was like the farthest, like now it's the farthest bar from my house. Like I was like, I, so I rarely ever step into foot and love joys. Even after my, right. I left in 2010 as a DJ, there were still people there working that I would want to see, but I'm like, yeah, that's a trek. And there wasn't Uber and all that quite yet. Right. So, that was, I mean, it saved my liver moving far. Sure. Away. Right, right. But, it, <clears throat> and I was one of those people that was like, 
I used to laugh and make fun of people to get out of drinking and get all healthy and lose weight. And then like come back and visit and they can't drink at all. And I'm like, Oh, you suck. You have no tolerance. That's me now. Right. I suck. I have no tolerance. I always, I tell people like I suck at drinking these days. Just no not, fish bowls for you. No. Yes. God, no. I don't, I drink vodka more now than whiskey. I cannot even whiskey is a, it's good. I just drink so much. Like, yeah. And my dad was like, oh, vodka and waters, and oh, that's better. Some of those white claws, stuff tastes good now. Right? Yeah. We're getting old. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. So while in Laramie, you met someone special, and you married him up. How did you meet your husband? Um, I had a friend call me and tell me I needed to go to Mingles to meet her brother. And Chris was there. Chris was not her brother, but it it took me pretty much all night to figure that out. And by that time, I was smitten. Smitten. Yeah. And when was that? That was in May of two thousand seven. April, end of April, beginning of May. And so you're right, you're smitten and relationship was working great. And he's like, let's take this on the road. He joins the military. Actually, oh, wait, first, he got married first. Yeah, I, he, I he graduated in 09 and proposed shortly after that. We got married in 10 and uh, we were going through the recession where no one was hiring. And he wanted to join the army right after we got married. And I said, they say the first year of marriage is the hardest. We gotta get through this year before you leave. Hmm. So then he joined in 2011, 12. And we've been moving all over since then. I was always, I, I, wrote, I mean, Chris worked for me at the outreach school and I, I wrote I thought I wrote a good grad school letter thought I was outstanding and I was like now he's going to the military son of a bitch but I, was like, <laughs> I mean good, thank you for serving and all that but I was like man I thought I that was like the first time I was asked to do such a thing and I was trying to make it good and so I was like oh there were just too many people trying to get into grad school because they couldn't get hired that is true. It was a tough one around then. And so where was your first stop on the on the military express? We went to Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas. Is that the real name of the place or is that just a okay. No, it is Fort Bliss. Most yeah. people will call it Fort Blister or El Paso. Oh wow. Real creative. Yeah. Um so what kind of change coming from Laramie? Cheyenne, you guys got married to down there. Um, it was really different. Um, when they tell you that Juarez, Mexico is on the other side of the border, they don't tell you that I'm thinking like 30, 40 miles away. No, you see the wall. You see, you see Juarez from El Paso. So that was culture shock um just 
I could see that. Craziness. Um, border town. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize El Paso and Juarez were right there to each other. Wow. Yeah, literally. <clears throat> um, also, they have what they call a mountain, and I'm putting quotations up here. <laughs> and we had to go to this Welcome to El Paso Fort Bliss meeting, and they kept telling us that if we were going to go up to the mountain that we needed to be careful because the air was really thin and um, you would need to drink lots of water. And what was the altitude? Wow. It was, yeah, it was a mile high. So high we high. were laughing like, that's not even high. <laughs> um, and then the first time we saw snow in El Paso was the weirdest oh. thing. Cause we got probably two feet, but it was 50 degrees out. So, so it snowed and then warmed up. So we like, even it wasn't cold when it was snowing. It was cold to everyone from Texas. Yeah. But we didn't think it was cold. Like we had hoodies and jeans on. <laughs> and that was the first time our daughter got to play in snow. And it was perfect because we didn't have to worry about frostbite or her freezing. You know, she got to actually play in snow because it was warm enough outside. So that was an adjustment. Like I've never played in snow where I wasn't freezing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say here, I'm like, it's got to warm up so it can snow. Like right. too cold. Right. And I remember one time being out in New York in the Catskill mountains at working at summer camp and they're like, I'm like, so where are these mountains? They're like, you're on them. And I was like, Oh, right, 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 right. And they're like, you're from the Rocky mountains. I was like, yeah, pretty much a little bit taller out there. I was like, what's the highest peak in the Catskills? And they were like 5,000 or something. And I was like, chalk another two. And that's where right. I live. And they were like, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. And there's, you, it's not that hot because you think it would be because you're closer to the sun. It's actually a lot cooler. Yeah. Um, you drink like a champion going down in sea level. Right. Uh, like they were scared of us out there. And so I found that kind of stuff. But it's always interesting to go like Texas, I've been there when it's snowing, like Dallas and stuff, and that yeah, nobody handles snow no, down there. No, like they just stay home. Like it's the best time to go out and do stuff yeah, if you yeah. know how to drive in snow, because no one down here does. And got the right vehicle, because you probably do, because you are from Wyoming. You're probably like, oh. right, right, yeah. Oh, yeah. we'll drive. We're good. Yeah, we're good. Got this. Let me drive you people around. Exactly. Like I wanted to. I saw that when it all snowed in Georgia a few years back, and they were shut down the highway. It was crazy. I was like. All right, Wyoming, let's go out there and bail these people out. Get them out the right. Show them how it's done. Or at least rescue them with our four-wheel drives and front-wheel drives. So El Paso. and yes. And that, where was your daughter born? Was she born down there? Or was she, she born, born in El Paso, yes. Oh, nice. Um, so she was born at uh, William Beaumont, the Army Medical Center there in El Paso. And then we moved to Fort Drum, New York, right after her second birthday. Um, so we literally moved from the Mexico border to the Canada border. Oh, wow. That is different. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> Fort Drum is 70 miles north of Syracuse. Okay. Um, so we were maybe 20 miles from the Canadian border. The camp I worked at, we would take our kids to Toronto, like Toronto and Washington, D.C. So I went to D.C. twice, Toronto once, 
So we went up that way. I think we might have stopped in Syracuse. I just remember at Niagara Falls, there was so much water in the air. It, yeah. I got sick. Like I must have had some already, but I got really like I barely could breathe. Okay. I had like real chaperoned adults had to like feed me like cold medicine. Like it oh. sucked. And it was just until we got away from all that water in the air. Like I'm not used to it here in Laramie where there's no water. Right. Yeah. So we got away from it and I got better, but I was like, Oh my God, I really thought that was cool. That place, but damn near killed me. I thought my lungs yeah, felt uh, filling up. Um, that is upstate New York. Weather wise is comparable to Laramie as far as, snow and cold but then there's constant humidity in the air so it makes it so much colder yes. the wind is definitely nothing compares to wyoming wind but our first winter there we got what they call lake effect snow where you get a regular snow and then it comes up off the lake and it's like a sheet of snow coming at you and i was driving with my daughter and that scared the shit out of me like it's something I had never seen before and I'm like I'm from Wyoming I'll be fine <laughs> I know how to deal with snow um but it is gorgeous up there and there's tons of little hamlets that always have seasonal festivities festivities going on so it it was a great area for the age of our daughter she was two to almost four while we were in New York um so she got to experience a lot. I recall the humidity living in Long Island. Well, it was an island. And we, didn't get, we only got one real snowstorm, like a Laramie one. And of course, they, I worked at a news station, and they're like, can you come into work? And I was like, I drove a little tiny car there. And I was like, it's buried. Like, we'll come get you. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me drive your four-wheel drive vehicles around all day. I got this one. Yeah. Like, they're like, we figured you would have to be able to – stand out in the snow and shoot storm that was a standard new york thing so i was used to it i hated standing in like rain like when you get tropical storms coming up i just have to stand in some serious snow with nothing because it we, wasn't we, windy like laramie we didn't have the tropical storms because we were on lake ontario oh but so you like, had killer snow yeah <laughs> killer snow, but we also got beach days where it felt i mean it sawyer thought it was the ocean. It took her forever to realize that the ocean is salt water. Right. Like it's cool. so it was the best of both worlds. Plus we got to go into uh we went into the city, took Sawyer to a Yankees game. Heck yeah. Um, I, I haven't been in the new stadium. You have, I'm jealous. Yeah. I was thinking, well, I gotta get back. I still have friends there and I'm always like, I'll go back, but I never I I'm back <laughs> since two thousand nine, I think. Well, if we make it back that way, I'll let you know. Well, yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. come visit. Germany. Maybe yes. you know, around in New York and yeah. Yes. So you're in New York. And then, of course, another military change pushes yes. you down south again. To we where are. We now, are at Fort. Yes, sorry. We're at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. Wow. So, like, does the military like pack you up and ship you on down or what do you guys have to do? 
Um, when we moved from El Paso to New York, we moved ourselves. Um, two of our friends, Brett and Courtney, flew down and drove to New York with us. Um, and we got to Arkansas before Little Rock, Arkansas, before we got a big old bubble in the moving truck tire that was also carrying Chris's car. Oh. Um, so that was our one and only move that we did by ourselves. After that, we have let the army move us um, and they hire packers. They come in and usually we have one room that we put aside. It says, do not pack. And they are efficient and they get it done quickly. We have had, we've been really lucky with our moves. That's good. Because a lot of people do have horror story, stories, but we haven't had any issues. So Yeah, but when you start acquiring more stuff, and that's the problem. The longer you're in one spot, the more stuff you acquire. So well, when you're military, you're like, we need another move. Yeah. You move quick enough that they're like, you're like, okay, no, it's not even worth buying. I'll just get rid of it before I move again. So, and yeah, and you, can whole, you can be in a whole other country. You could be a exactly. whole other climate. Like yes. that, that's some serious thing to consider. <laughs> so you can't be a, a hoarder or a pack rat. Um, I've noticed. Like I think I've lived in my this house for ten years, and Tia is like eight, and we've owned it for. But we still have boxes, and now every once in a while, I'm like, well, maybe we should unpack. I don't know, because we both have lived that life of moving quite right. a bit, but yet. Won't accept, okay, been in the same spot. Me, I'm like 10 years. I have a box up on the corner here. I should probably unpack or something. Right. When we moved from New York back to or to San Antonio, I still had boxes that we hadn't unpacked the entire time we were in New York. <laughs> we we got rid of them. I didn't even open them up. I just donated them. I'm like, obviously, they didn't mean that much to me if we didn't open them in three years. So, yeah, it's got crazy. A whole thing in the garage to my, I can't, I got, I need to get a van or something or a truck. I have a Jeep, not can't haul all that stuff, but I have a bunch of stuff that needs to go to the dump. I'm not a hoarder. My stepmom is, and if she's probably not listening, but she needs to stop hoarding. Like they have a three car garage in their house in Oregon, not one car in the garage. And ah. all stuff they've acquired. And my dad's always like, a couple trips to the dump, I could park the car. And I'm like, just do it. Like, I'm not gonna miss any of that. Like, right? She won't even know what she's missing. Yeah. But, and so I always give her a hard time about that. You can't be that in the military. No, I know that. No, for sure. not at all. For sure. Um, so that's all I really got for the interview. Usually my last <laughs> question is how we met, but I already covered that in the outreach school question. Um, yeah, but it was good catching up with you. And uh, I'll just wrap the show up from here and okay. on, to the, on to the next episode. Sounds good. Friends, I am 18 episodes deep into this show and I still haven't received any theme music from you guys. I am still looking for an artist or artist to lay down the tracks like the bass groove just heard there. That's a sample groove I use for free. But I want your music or your friend's music or your brother's music or your sister's music. Give me a little uh, sample like that. We'll use it for the show or even maybe a theme song. I'm down for that as well. 
So if you're one of those people, hit me up on social media. My social media includes DJ Rude Entertainment on Facebook. I got a Twitter handle. It's jammin underscore DJ underscore Rude. I got Instagram. You can hit me up on private message on Instagram. L Ruderino on Instagram. You can Snapchat me. You got to add me. It's RudeZilla68 on Snapchat. Or if you have my digits, text me. Or you can private message me on Facebook. But hit me up with some of that music and uh, I'll take you with me to the top if the show gets big. You'll be my house band or something like that. But I will give you mad props, mad uh, promotions each and every time your music gets played on this show. So hook me up with that music. Now, back when I was DJing at Lovejoy's, Steph would make my night by being able to do the running man dance, then some rock back and forth dance move from the 90s. I loved it, and I wish we would have talked about it in the podcast. I guess we'll have to save those stories for another podcast, maybe a uh, life and times of working and hanging out at Elmer Lovejoy's in, in the 2000s, something like that. We'll see. I don't know. On to the next podcast.